0: Without an intro this week, welcome to Hand The Pod. 35 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly. I'm joined this week by English Down. Good evening. And nobody else, because once again, I sent out the email invite a little bit too late. Um, I think a lot of
1: our guys are are otherwise in display as well. I know yeah, Tony's well. got Copa Libertadores duty. <laughs> uh, Santi's got La Nacion duty, and Andres
0: just can't today. No, Andres was not available today for whatever reason. Yes. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, we might have quite a short episode this week, in any case, uh, but we'll see. The results from last weekend were, first of all, Teixeira's versus Union, as we discussed towards the end of last week's episode, uh, was indeed postponed. It didn't take place. That, I think, was confirmed pretty much while I was on the subte going home from last week's recording. That uh, was like, after the bus crash. Exactly, uh, Yes. Uh, got rear-ended by some... Massive truck or something. Um, So that's not been played. Godoy Cruz versus Bele Sarsfield has been played and it finished 1 1, and the other matches all took place over the weekend. I mean,
1: played in inverted commas, if we, especially for some
0: of the people on that pitch. Indeed, yes, in particular, the, uh, yes, we'll get on to Godoy Cruz's goal in a minute. Argentinos nil San Lorenzo 1, Estudiantes nil Banfield nil, Huracan nil Gimnasia 1. Atlético Tucumán 2, Newell's nil. Platense nil, Barracas Central nil. Lanús nil, Aldo Civi 1. Uh, it's been pretty low scoring so far, but then in the Cilindro, Racing and Tigre had other ideas, that one finished 3-3. Three, three. Patronato, I hope you're sitting down, and if you're not a Boca fan, uh, just gird your sides before I read this scoreline. Patronato 3, Boca Juniors nil. Uh, if you're not a River fan, then gird your sides before I read this scoreline. River Plate 1, Sarmiento 2, Rosario Central 0, Central Cordova 3, Defensa y Justicia 0, Arsenal de Sarandí nil, and Colón 0, Independiente 3. <laughs> yes, you heard that correctly. Independiente won a match quite convincingly. Um, those results mean that Atlético Tucumán still top the league and will still top the league this time next week. Uh, yes, on, actually, having said that, there isn't a midweek round. I've forgotten about there that, is There is a midweek round. Um, is there? Yeah. Next or week? is it the other week? No, we're okay. Uh, it's it's the other it's week. It's yes. Not next week anyway. So yes, they will still be top two of the week, weeks uh, when we next record because they are four points clear of gymnasia. Atlético de on twenty-five, gymnasia on twenty-one, Argentinos in third place on twenty. Uh... Racing on 19 and Godoy Cruz in 5th on 18, ahead of Platense and Union on goal difference. Um, where to start? I mean, I, the, the place that I, I first of all want to start, because it's the goal uh, that is most clearly etched in my memory from the weekend, was, as I mentioned already, Godoy Cruz's opener against Vélez Salsfield. We just uh, watched the goal compilation before starting to recall from the weekend, um, and Dan have not seen it before, but was just as amused by it as I was uh, first time round.
1: It was incredible, yeah. Um, poor Lucas ochos because he's been doing alright in the Venice net. Um, well, it was, you know, heroic stuff the, over the two legs against River to take him into the Libertadores quarterfinals. Mm. Um, but then he just had, how, how even to put into words, how to describe um, what he did. Like, complete
0: brain fart. But also what the rest of the defence did, because they all just seemed to switch off, assuming that the ball was going out of play. Oshos thought, no, this ball's going out of play, but I'm going to stop it going out of play. Mm. Went to grab it, grabbed it with one hand to keep it in play. And Pierre Barrios, Godoy Cruz forward, was standing right next to him and sort of nicked it as Oshos tried in vain to grab it with both hands. And I think it it wriggled out out of his
1: um, his hands a couple of times more before... um,
0: but it was actually got there. But the thing that most amused me when it was because I was sort of half watching the game when it when it happened mm. was that on the replay, which they didn't show on the YouTube video we just watched, but on one of the replays, it's it's really clear that Diego Godín is the only like Belis outfield player mm. who's facing in vaguely the right direction and actually saw what was going on. Mm. So you, if you watch the finish again, Godín's kind of trying against you know the, however many years he's got on his legs to frantically scramble back mm. and. Uh, and help wash us out. It's got to just be thinking. Just I spent all this board. time
1: sitting pretty in front of all Black and mm. Andanovic who God knows how many. And now we've got to,
0: I've got to put up with this shit. Yeah. Why? Um, so not the best start. That was after three minutes as well. Uh, Godin took it upon himself to equalise. Yeah. I'm sure uh, that we're going to see Plenty of those goals. I mean, I think we predicted when he signed for Veles that he was going to score like a million-headed goals from set pieces.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's what he does. Yeah. Uh, in that match also, we had a red card for a professional foul. Did we? We did, but not among any other players. Oh, yes. Veles <laughs> coach, Alexander Merina, uh, I think it's was in the middle of the second half. He was standing right on the touchline and... If my memory serves me, I think it was Salomón Rodríguez on Gode Cruz's side who kind of wriggled away and he's about to streak down the left wing. And Medina just sticks his foot out to trip him up. And Rodríguez goes flying and just can't believe it. I mean, justifiably so. Um, And Medina kind of tries to play the innocent and looked quite surprised when he got the the red card. And to be fair, I mean, he's Uruguayan and that kind of attack <laughs> on Uruguay would barely, no, that's barely qualify for a yellow. Standard managerial conduct. Yeah. Um, and the funny thing is, it's not the first time he's done it. Uh, when he was in charge of Tacheres. uh there was a game last season, I think, um, against Platense. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Where he just jumped in to stop the ball going out of play. And also got a red card. So, you know, talk about your your frustrated ex pro He just wants to get
0: involved. Yeah, for pretty obvious reasons. That was by far the bigger story from that match uh, than than Godoy Cruz's goal. Mm. In spite of the fact that I led with Godoy Cruz's goal because it was fresher in my my own mind, having just watched that video. Um, and yeah, I think I made the point in our group WhatsApp chat at the time that he was obviously doing it to take the attention off. Very <laughs> really possibly, shit yeah. Shot, Very but possibly. On him. Take him off from the team. Um, so well done, <laughs> Alexander yeah.
1: Medina, uh, for that sterling. So that tackle, as like, I say, next... he did. It did his job. He stopped the stopped the attack. Um, could have developed into something dangerous. So, you know, really did sacrifice himself for the for the good of the team.
0: Indeed, he did. Uh, there was another piece of goalkeeper shitting the bed in the six goal thriller that was Racing versus Tigre. Um, this one, admittedly, went completely over my head
1: because I was watching this game on Sunday I was also working as I did it and you know paying attention but generally um, you're watching and you hear goal for, for the team you're not particularly interested in ah oh, fine still free to racing are looking like a looking think of it another thought um, and I recently saw the goal in all its beauty today where uh, before we before recording. Oh, my word. Uh, not quite as bad as Oshis' one, but it's, it's bad. It's, it's very, very bad.
0: Yeah, in similar terms, I'm not really sure what Gaston Gomez, for it was he, um, thought he was doing. I mean, why not just let the ball... I, I suppose it was passed back to him, wasn't it? So he couldn't really let it roll out. But yeah. trying a fancy... Just tried to drag, drag it back and it just, and just yeah, it didn't back, come and off. Yeah. And, and then just give it straight to the opposing <laughs> forward. Yeah. Um, Racing had gone tuning up in that match through Enzo Copetti mm-hmm. yet again, and Leonel Miranda, Mateo Retegui pulled one back through the spot be- before Matias Rojas made it three-one on the stroke of half-time, um, and then Gomez had his Gomez had his bedshitting moment to gift Ichiel Protti, who uh, my girlfriend saw me watching the um the goal compilation before I came out here and looked at that and went. How do you pronounce that first name? And I said, well, yeah. he's Argentine, so presumably you pronounce Phonetically, yeah. <laughs> um, Any I relation
1: to Eagle? I, I don't know. We'd have to look into it.
0: Indeed. Um, but yeah, I'd never heard of him before, and I looked no. him up and was quite alarmed to find that he's 27 years old. <laughs> but he played for Chacarita before uh. joining uh, Tigre. And then uh, Retegi got his second of the match. He's having a fantastic season, isn't he? Yes. Uh, is. In the 88th minute to make it 3-3. But overall, Dan, Racing... I mean, you've just said you weren't paying full attention, but pretty good first goal, right?
1: Very good performance in general in the first half, at least. Um, Racing were all over Tigre, took their chances. um, The first and second goals were all very well worked, and Racing have had a few of those in recent weeks. But it's another game where, um, you know, you should have been getting the three points and you've come back with one, just Mm. like happened... Just as happened the other week uh, against Aston, where Racing laboured so much to get the first goal, and then within about three minutes uh, conceded the equaliser. Oh yeah, that was one-one. Yeah. Yes, uh, two games where they really should have been taking, you know, the full six points, and they would be right up there in the title challenge. But mm. instead, you know, they're not a million miles back, but they're a fair way back. Still, with a long way to go. And it could be different, and it's just something um, I need to work on a bit, it seems. Closing out them games is definitely going to help that Gavi Arias, um, the Argentine-born Chile international who has been so decisive, so good in the the net for Racing for the last three years. uh, Or four years. Four years, he's been there. Mm. Um, He's finally on the way back after a cruciate ligament injury. He hasn't played... A Single first team game this year, but he's been playing for the reserves this year, this entire oh, year. Bro, bro. He got bro, bro. hurt bro, bro. in about this des- in December, I think. December, November, he hasn't played since. Uh, so that's gonna be a big boost because Gomez he's had a few good, good performances. I don't want don't want to be too withering, but he's also made a f- couple of costly mistakes. Um, for Racing in the big games and he could probably just use a, use a shift out of the um, out of the team because he's been in every single game for the whole year and it's mm. probably a bit too much like definitely with Arias back Racing could take on a bit more of a a bit more of a solid shape and I don't know how long Sigali's got out still but that would definitely help as well if they get their best defender so best goalkeeper best defender back Racing might not um concede so many ridiculous goals, which will be good.
0: Indeed, yeah. Uh, The title challenge, title charge starts here then. Yes, it's been a
1: title stagger so far this season, but I would, I'd like to see a charge.
0: Uh, They will have to overtake Atletico Tucumán, who, of course, lead the league. Uh, So it could uh, come down to, it could be a very interesting title race in the Edwards household.
1: Everyone's going yeah, to be rooting for Racing because this is a San Martin household.
0: Of course, yeah. yes. So
1: no, no cross-loat, is it? All, um, all for Racing.
0: But Atletico but, got that 2-0 win over Newell's with what looks, done from what I, I heard afterwards as well, was a fairly convincing standard. win even though they had to wait most of the game for the opener Ramiro Carrera scored that with just over 15 minutes to go and then Renzo Tessuri doubled the lead 8 minutes into stoppage time rolling into an empty net after Newell's goalkeeper uh, Franco Herrera had gone up for a corner Mm. to try and force an equaliser with like the last play of the match Um, well done Atletico of course Um, and not very well done Newell's
1: who have just fallen off a cliff in the last couple of weeks yeah, they were they were right up in the title race. Right, so remember, and now they're down
0: eleventh place. Eleventh place, yeah. Cross
1: three, yeah. three consecutive defeats. I think.
0: Let's have a look. Um, uh, well, yes, they they beat Aldo City in the Copa Argentina uh, yesterday, mm. but yeah, in the league it's three straight defeats. and before that, it was three straight draws.
1: So, yeah, six were, um, a win, not so right
0: in the league. They, have, they
1: haven't exactly played a a great deal of. Decent teams, either.
0: No. In the league, their overall record from 11 matches is 1-4, four, drawn 4, lost 3. Mm. So, six matches ago, it was played uh, well played five, 1-4, drawn 1, lost none. Yeah. And uh, since then, they have added zero wins to their wins column, and lots and lots of draws and defeats. Um, so, yeah, they need to buck their ideas up. A little bit, yeah. Speaking of which, they are still, for now, one point ahead of River, who dominated, really, against uh, Sarmiento, but got hit by two sucker punches, and for Sarmiento, fantastic performance. I mean, mm. 2 it up at half-time, thanks to goals from Guido Mainero and Federico Anduesa. Mainero's especially, was just a lightning quick, slicing through the middle, mm. counter-attack. Um, and they fully deserved their win. I thought, you know, River showing very, very similar issues to the ones that Andres has been bemoaning for most of the year. Emmanuel Mamaná pulled one back but it turned out to just be a consolation. Um, And as often happens on Hand of Pod, uh, two weeks ago Dan was slagging off Miguel Ángel Borja and then he was brilliant. Last week I took the piss out of Dan for slagging him off, said he was brilliant and at the weekend he was pretty much anonymous. I feel vindicated, I
1: feel like the, the little boy in the Emperor's new clothes who just pointed out this massive lie, the fraud <laughs> um, Miguel Froca. Miguel Angel Froja. Miguel Ángel Froja. Yes, you heard it first. Um obviously now he'll probably score four against Patronato as most river forwards do, but I've seen the real the real Borja and it's not pretty.
0: Um, Juan Fernando Quintero played about as well as he's played for River since returning in the half hour that he got. He got the assist on, on Mamana's very neatly headed in uh, goal. Just got eyebrows on it, Mamana, as um, whom I think of, Ron Atkinson, would say. Um, but yeah, River generally seriously out of sorts, as, of course, were Boca Juniors, mm. um, who. Can't I don't really claim to have dominated play to anywhere near the same degree, which is perhaps unsurprising because 3-0 is a much more one-sided scoreline than 2-1. Indeed. Um, but yeah, Axel Rodriguez, Alexander Sosa and Jonas Acevedo were the goal scorers for Patronato. And this was in spite of the fact that before Patronato went 2-0 up, they'd already had to sub off two of their starting lineup, including Axel Rodriguez, uh, with injuries.
1: Both their starting strikers, yeah.
0: Yes, indeed, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, we've decided that Axel Rodriguez is going to be referred to now as A-Rod. Yes. Uh, for the benefit of our American audience. If we so,
1: ever talk about him again on the pod, which is... Highly unlikely. unlikely. yes.
0: Um, but, yeah, we, we, you know, we're trying to break into the American market, so we need to come up with these snappy nicknames.
1: I see they've also... Patronato have also got the joker in, in the fence. Juan Cruz Guassoni. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So they have. And... And the Papa Frita, franco Leis. Yes. Team, I think that's about as far as the funny names go. Unless on the bench, mm. nah, nothing. Uh, Lautaro Jimenyani would be good if he happens to have a twin. Yeah. But um, otherwise, it's not that great.
0: This isn't. Uh, ah, no, it's not the same. Estigarribia. It's not the ancient. It can't still
1: be twenty-seven because he was twenty-seven, 27 at Newls for. Yeah. For a, ten, a good 10
0: years. Indeed, yeah. Um, so. But yeah, it was a well-deserved win for um, for Patronato and from Boca's point of view, just absolutely all over the place. Mm. Uh, as poor a performance as they put in all year.
1: I see Facundo Arrancaglia started for Boca. Yeah. I kind of missed him going back. Um, he probably shouldn't have bothered by the
0: evidence, evidence of that one game. No, I'm going to yeah. look up when he did go back actually because I... It's very, oh, wow.
1: very, very recent. Uh, the last couple of weeks. Ah, uh, really? It must be, yeah, because he definitely wasn't there before. Um,
0: no, I mean, this oh, yeah, is... Two, two, there's a YouTube video here yeah. marketing him as the Nuevo Riff de Boca, and it says here it was uploaded yeah. two weeks ago. So, yeah, about
1: that. I mean, Bocker are just having the same problem that they've had for most of the year. They just can't put um, two or... or Definitely not three decent games together. Mm. Uh, just not getting any momentum up. Um, aside from that kind of run in, in April, May, which was enough to get them through the Libertadores group, and then and then uh, and take them to the Copa Liga title. Yeah. But that seems, you know, now we've got a bit more evidence. It seems that was that spell was definitely the um, anomaly. It's uh, an inconsistent team that sometimes. We'll get the breaks, score a few goals. But otherwise, is, is very much run-of-the-mill. Don't have enough players who can make the difference. Mm. Um, they've been, I mean, I think kind of a symptom, if you like, of of their current malaise is that everyone's really annoyed, you know, very very much down because Agustin Rossi isn't going to renew his contract. And I have nothing against Agustin Rossi. I think he's... A decent enough keeper. Um, He saves a few penalties, but I don't think it's really befitting of Boca to, you know, go on to that kind of panic and alarm just because a keeper of Rossi's standard says he's going to leave. And I don't think it's even this year. It's at the end of next year his contract's up or, Mm. or it might be this year. I don't know what you think. Like it's indicative, like if you're grabbing onto these kind of guys who, you know, in in a great Boca team, or even a good Boca team, would be struggling even to get first team minutes.
0: Yeah, it's I mean, not great. I, I, I kind of, I, I, can't help, but when we talk about Rossi, also think of of Andrade uh, of Armani. Sorry, at River, mm-hmm. because you know they arrived at their clubs at about the same time, and inevitably, when you talk about Boca, you can't talk about River as well. But, you know, there's also been that rivalry the whole time between who should be Argentina's, like, I guess, third-choice goalkeeper. (laughs) Mm. Because apparently it's got to be whoever's playing in goal for one of those two teams, and you can't consider any other names. I think it's in the constitution. I mean, in fairness, there aren't any... You know, there aren't a hell of a lot of really high-level Argentine goalkeepers. You know, for the national team point of view, it's not the deepest um, position that they've got beyond Emiliano Martinez, right? Mm -hmm. But the way that both of them arrived at the clubs that they're currently at as, you know, two of the best goalkeepers in South America, very much the peak of their careers and Mm. and they were coming here. And over the the few years that they've been there, they've noticeably both of them fallen off. Yes. A fair bit. And I kind of feel like if um, Armani were to say one more year of River and then I'm leaving, probably get a not dissimilar response. You reckon... Yeah, I, I'm not saying deservedly, but I, I'm not, I, I don't know whether there's the same kind of uh, any kind of recognition on either part that they've both fallen off quite as much as they have. Hmm. Even though you would think that they should both have ideas as to who to sign next. I mean, until what, a couple of weeks ago, Boca were apparently going to sign Sergio Romero. Yeah. He never conceded gold in this league, surely. I mean, no, he never, he a never concedes space, a goal in any league. No, that's he true. Doesn't play. That's the best way to keep um, clean sheets. But you know, uh, I, I I I think that he he he'd have been an excellent signing for them. Apparently, oh, yeah. It seems now from the noise that's happening like that's not going to happen for whatever reason. Um, is it, he's been training with Racing recently actually, right?
1: Yeah, because he's uh, yeah. Just a, a, a product effect. of the of the Racing Academy. Mm, like, he's but he's, always he's not quite expected to sign for you. No, I can't imagine he would with Arias coming back and. And Gomez still there,
0: right? Um, but yeah, it, it just kind of—I I guess I can understand—or or the reaction doesn't surprise me. But I, I agree with what you're saying, which is that it kind of feels a little bit like—I mean—you've got nearly a year to work out who to replace him with, yeah. And, and your Boca juniors, you can—I feel In like it, yeah, you, you can. You get on the phone, is going to jump at the chance to play for you. You can throw a heavy
1: stone somewhere in the league table and you'll hit a goalkeeper more or less on Rossi's level mm. who would want to come to Boca?
0: Exactly, yeah. Um, and Armani if, too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, the only problem current that River or Boca are going to have with convincing any player to, to join them in this league is going to be if that player happens to be a really die-hard fan of the other team. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, generally speaking... Mm, I mean, I, I, I'm not convinced necessarily that Rossi is is Bocca's biggest problem at the moment. But no, I'm not saying that. I'm it saying wasn't a good performance the other day. It
1: just, um, yeah, kind of drew my attention this this clamor, yeah, um, which I felt was not really befitting of a club
0: like Boca. No, um, now Dan mentioned a few minutes ago the range of amusing names that there was in the Patronato lineup. Uh, now, how about this for an amusing name, oh. Andres Bombergar? Or Vomburger, oh, if we want to it a little
1: bit. Between a fireman and a hamburger.
0: Indeed, yeah. In um, Spanish. If we're being polite, or between a, some vomit and a hamburger. Um, he It says here that he's Slovenian. Um, now, what he's doing there for playing for San Lorenzo, I am not sure, but he came on for his first appearance right was it, his de- it says here it was his debut is that correct it, do- it looks like it was in fact his debut mm-hmm. after joining San Lorenzo pretty recently
1: um, I see the, Ar- the Argentine flag by his name so the Slovenian thing might
0: yeah maybe be it's a dual nationality we'll look him up in a second um, but anyway he replaced Nael Barrios in the 87th mm-hmm. minute and in the 90th minute He scored the only goal of the game for San Lorenzo's 1-0 win over Argentinos. And Argentinos, of course, had a pretty good start to the season. In fact, they're still third now. Um, So San Lorenzo have... Well, they've won a match. Uh, They've now won two of their last five. Admittedly, that is one match ago or five matches ago. and They've drawn the three (laughs) in between. But they're unbeaten in the last five as well. I mean, for, uh, for San Lorenzo
1: recently, that's not bad guy at all. No,
0: exactly. Um, they, have, they beat Boca 2-1 then they drew 1-1 with Banfield, mm-hmm. 2-2 with Union and 1-1 excuse me, with Tacheres uh, before beating Argentinos 1-0 just now. at home to Estudiantes this coming weekend, so that could be interesting. Um, but, yeah. I've just been looking I'm up a bit of... Introduction to Argentine oh. football for it.
1: A bit of information on Vombergar. Go on. Uh, he is Argentine. Uh, he was born in Vicha Lusuriaga, which I believe is. Not the place I've heard of before. I've heard of it. Uh, it's one of the places out in the I want to say either La Matanza or Quilmes. If you look that okay. up, I'll carry on talking. Vicha, yes. For me? Started his career in the very depths of Argentine football. Debut for it. Then moved on to Phoenix. Uh, had a spell on loan with Los Andes, and then moved to Slovenia with Olympia Ljubljana. Am I saying that right? Ljubljana. I think Ljubljana is the Ljubljana. English pronunciation. Yes, seems like he did pretty well there. Had a year as well in Russia with Ufa, um, the only team I know named after a Spanish exclamation. <laughs> Uh, went back to Olympia I'm not going to say the second one because it's hard had a year in Mexico with Atletico Madrid's uh, feeder team Atletico San Luis and has now pitched up at San Lorenzo and he has played one game at B level for the Slovenian national team never got Uh, into the senior team and I don't know if he will qualify for that because of uh, residency because he got his passport one out there I don't know how hard it is to gain
0: Slovenian citizenship from via his, residency from his name I'm going to guess he's a dual national
1: but it sounds more Germanic than Slavic
0: I suppose right. yeah but Central Europe people move around a lot mm.
1: uh, the uh, Spanish one says he's from origen esloveno. yeah so we'll um, we'll trust that I guess and Visha Lusuriaga is in La Matanza I was right. Yes, it is. Yeah, I was about to Ocean say. I of not um, it up. So yes, his forefathers came from Slovenia to
0: Argentina after the Second World War. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and a time of plenty of um, cross-continental. Indeed. Well, if, 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 yes, uh, immigration to Argentina is what I was after, actually. not just cr- Obviously, it's cross-continental if you're coming from Europe mm-hmm. to anywhere. Um... Any other real talking points from the weekend, Tom? Um, The Carlos Tevez revolution hit a speed bump. The wheels are starting to fall off uh, for useless manager Carlos Tevez. We always said he was going to be shit, didn't we? Um, They have... I've just brought up Central's recent results and it's presenting them completely out of sequence. Why is it doing that? Oh, okay. For some reason, it's got the Copa Argentina match that they played a couple of hours ago as being played on the 28th of June. Maybe that's where it's supposed to be played. That was confusing. Uh, It might well have been the original date. But anyway, uh, they lost 3-0 at the weekend to Central Córdoba. Goals in that one in the 23rd minute from Francisco Medili, the 40th minute from Jesus Sorayre, and the 84th minute a penalty from Silvio Martinez. And penalties were, have not been kind to Central um, in this last week because they have just gone out. Well, I say just, as I just said, it was a couple of hours ago. Uh, gone out of the Copa Argentina against, uh, I want to say, Nacional team? They're in the second division, aren't they? Quilmes, yeah. yeah Quilmes. Um, who took a 1-0 lead through Federico Gonzalez just before half-time. Uh, that was pegged back by a penalty from Central goalkeeper Gaspar Serbio, 87 minutes in, but Quilmes then won the shootout.
1: That's what, three goals in the last four games for Serbio? He's
0: been. Well, it must be, three in it must be, the last year, three. He yeah. a couple. Yeah. Wow. Right. Let's have a quick look, see whether it's. He must be a top scorer of the Tevez Yeah. Uh, goals. Well, He scored three goals. Let's see, matches. Oh, there we go yes he scored two penalties against Arsenal uh, two matches ago yeah. yeah so three goals in three games Oof. nice stop, it. no indeed it's just a shame that he's not very good at stopping other people <laughs> um, <laughs> he can't have everything um, but there we go Carlos Tevez back to being useless again for a hmm. week maybe if he gets a result against Tigre at the weekend Yeah.
1: maybe and at the other end of the spectrum Independiente took a week off from being useless
0: yes they did yeah. clearly
1: void by the uh, the announcement that there were going to be election that there are going to be elections and that Ugon Moshana wasn't going to stand from
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, it's like a new manager bounce new election bounce is that a thing potential new election bounce because it's Pot- not actually been held yet true I mean it could still be cancelled yeah potential new urban election bounce I think new, that's what it is new democracy
0: bounce
1: hmm. I don't know a red spring can we say that <laughs> Yes, why not? A bit early, but... Yeah. Uh, so, what an independiente. They're... Up to 23rd. Um, they'd probably still like to be a little bit higher, but... You know. One step at a time. And they must be playing in the Copa Argentina soon,
0: aren't they? Uh, they... Are... Hang on a second, I'll tell you. Uh, they're playing in the Copa Argentina in... Oh, God. Um... Yeah, no, the date doesn't seem to have been set. Yet. Ah, because
1: they're playing Villas, and they're going to have all sorts of yes yep. headaches with Villas Libertadores. Indeed, uh, they are,
0: and that's the perfect segue into our halftime break. And when we come back, we will talk about the Libertadores because, who baby, it yes. was quite a match last night quite in the first a match. Leg, So don't go away. Just uh, about to tell me all about the life and times of, uh, what did you say, Cristian Peserano? Cristian Peserano, yeah. Now, why would you be about to tell me about him, now? Well, since
1: there are no Argentine teams left to uh, to fly the flag in the Copa sur um we have to get very specific and look at individual players um, of the Argentine persuasion who are still going. And luckily, in the Benin del Valle, who knocked out... Lanus in the last round. Hmm. They've quite a few Argentines. Um in the fence they've got Richard Schunke and Mateo Carvajal and a little bit further up Lorenzo Faravelli. Then on the bench, 40 year old Christian Pescherano, who played for Independiente for a while. Uh, Independiente. The, the other Independiente, I yes. To Del uh, I think he was at Atlanta as well very early in his career. I'll take your word for it. And he'd been around the block a bit, Veles, uh, I think he he played for, for a while. Uh, real journeyman. Um, and he's still on the bench for Independiente del Vashia, forty years old and cross knows what the altitude of Quito there's to forty year old lungs. But
0: he seems to be um, seems to be uh, holding his own. I mean, as somebody who's only a year and a half or a bit, a year and two thirds away from turning forty, down, I would just say we, we are, you know, capable of breathing mm. uh, at, at this age.
1: But are you capable of running for ninety minutes uh, altitude? Uh, I
0: don't know about ninety minutes. Yeah. I, I managed to break into a jog with surprisingly few ill effects when I was up at about four thousand meters in the northwest. Yeah. Uh, but that was nearly three years ago now, so oh, yeah. I was only a sprightly 35 at that point. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess you acclimatised yeah. to it, don't you? And he also holds the distinction of having played
1: on both sides of the Aveshnere divide, Cristian Pesciarano. Oh, wow. Started his career in Atlanta, where he played over a hundred times, and he went on to Defensor de Belgrano, Nuevo Chicago, played for Racing a single year in 2007, then on to Arsenal de Sarandí, Colón. When and then when we started recording this podcast, he was already at Independiente. Um, He then spent a long time in Mexico. I believe he's also a Mexican citizen. Um, And since two thousand eighteen, he's been at Independiente de Russia. So good on you, Christian. Keep going.
0: Indeed. Any other Argentines to tell us about scattered around the Sudamericana that you can think of off the top of your head? Of course. Um, the guy to whom
1: Luis Suarez is playing understudy Go on. in Nacional. Oh uh, yes, yeah, yeah. Emmanuel mm-hmm. Uh also an ex Independiente in Colón player, funnily enough. Yeah. And Boca, um, and he played most of the match on Tuesday. Which was a? 1-0 defeat for Nacional at the hands of Atletico Goya Okay. Suarez came on off the bench and almost made a difference. He was involved in a very nice move which ended in one of the worst misses you'll see this week, if not this month from Juan Ramírez. It was funny because Suárez kind of got the move going with a really neat back heel out to Camilo Candido, who looks very good, young... uh, Well, not really young, 27-year-old left back. Hmm. Low crosser um, down along the the face of the box. Ramírez only had to push it in to equalise. Blast it against the post, and Candido had actually already wheeled away to celebrate. Uh, So he quickly had to turn back and... um, and carry on playing. Uh, so that wasn't ideal for Nacional Oji uh who actually had a big ceremony just before this game on Sunday. I think uh, Suarez's presentation was, hmm. and he presented him with the number nine shirt he was wearing um, before Suarez arrived.
0: Oh wow! So he's given up the shirt. Number he's given
1: three, up number two. nine and he's gone to number eight. Yeah,
0: you're allowed to do that.
1: If it's if you're Luis Suarez in. In Uruguay, I guess, yeah.
0: Oh no, sure, but, but I mean, just like, I've, the Sudamericana doesn't make players stick with the same, they don't make you register shirt numbers at the start of the competition.
1: Apparently not. Interesting. No. Melgar, hmm. um, who we've just finished watching, draw 0-0 to International. Have uh, quite a few Argentans as well. Horacio Orasan, anyone? Yes, vaguely. Yeah. Cristian Bordacar, no.
0: No, never heard of
1: him. Martin Perez Guedes. Yes. I of course, remember yeah. played very, very sporadically for Racing and I think a Limbo as well. And Bernardo Cuesta, which who I think is one of these guys who's already in his mid thirties but has played his entire career outside Um Argentina. Ah and International too. Fabricio Bustos. Yeah. And Gabriel Mercado.
0: Oh yeah, I forgot he had gone there. Yeah
1: in the middle of the fence and Brian Romero on the bench Mm. who after just moving from River just left River so plenty of Argentines um, still in there we could well have an Argentine Copa Suramericana
0: winner it just won't be a team no indeed Uh, the winners of the Copa Libertadores could still be Argentine though it's a it's a stretch but seems quite unlikely um, especially based on the showing that we saw last night tremendously entertaining match but uh, Lucas Hanson gave Belez savsfield the lead just five minutes in at home to Tacheres. I still can't quite believe Tascheres are in the quarterfinals of the Libertadores. I can't believe Vélez to be honest. No, it's, it's kind of when, it you really the league, like that? Um, when you look at the league format. When you look at the league format, it it's difficult to, to believe, isn't it? Um, the first half seems to have been fairly evenly matched. Tachérez had a spell of dominance after the goal. Venice were a bit more on top by the look of it in the second half of the first half, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, neither of us actually saw this. So what pretty much both of us seem to have done, based on the conversation we had before we started recording, was uh, switch the television on with about 20 minutes to go. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say that we timed that quite well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, Hanson uh, got a second goal for himself and indeed for his club very shortly after I switched the TV on. Um to make it 2-0 with a neat header from a Leonardo Jara cross. I think that that's exactly the same combination that had led to the opening goal mm-hmm. because it was scored by Hanson and the assist was Leonardo mm-hmm. Jara. Uh, anyway, any um, before Tacheres caught fire and in the space of about five or six minutes, pulled it back to 2-2 with mm-hmm. goals from Michael Santos and Rodrigo Garro, who thought that he had scored that second crucial away goal don't worry Dan I've not forgotten that there are no away mm. goals in this year's Libertadores um, with just three minutes to go before Julian Fernandez made it 3-2 to Veles in the 90th minute and that was full time yeah. uh, but it sets it up beautifully for the second day doesn't it?
1: It does can I voice an unpopular opinion though? Go on can I, and I hate myself for this because um, I'm fully in favour of VAR having a caveat as I think I've told you before where really pretty goals should just go through, no matter what. Carlos <laughs> mm-hmm. goal shouldn't have stood because in the build-up, the ball clearly goes out of play um, on the oh, right yeah, touchline. Yeah, 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 yeah. uh, the velez left back, I assume it is, slides, doesn't get there, but hooks it kind of back into play, mm. and the uh, the passage of play develops from there with a barnstorming run from Catalan. Uh, whose first name I can't remember Matias Matias Catalan. Yeah. yes um, it was brilliant a fantastic goal but it shouldn't have stood and what I don't understand is that if I looked at it and decided yeah you know Tachere's got advantage from it I guess and we can go on but there's no advantage from a throwing mm. I mean football's like rugby in that sense yeah it's not a foul though, so yeah yeah I mean the lines are are mm. Uh the ball goes out ups. stops. Um, so for me, that beautiful, beautiful goal. As much as it pains me to say, it shouldn't have stood.
0: No, I mean, it's and Venice could have been very irritated if it had. Shocking and incomprehensible, though it is, to believe that a South American continental match might be seriously affected by terrible officiating. Um, I mean,
1: it's not even terrible officiating; it's just willful ignorance of the rules because mm. they looked at it on a TV screen saw that the ball was out of play, and thought, ah, oh, fuck it, we'll let, the goal. we'll let the goal stand.
0: Yeah. Inexplicable. And it's, it's not really a rule that you can understand I mean, somebody being... I mean, it's obviously, you know, trained referees shouldn't be ignorant of any yeah. of the rules, but in particular, the idea that it's clearly out of play. Yeah. It's a pretty basic one. Yeah,
1: I, I can understand it. Like, And I, I haven't even seen much um, controversy about that. I know because... It's because no one in the Argentine media cares about Melizotecheries. No, they probably weren't paying enough attention anymore. Anyway.
0: Yeah, I mean, no, nah, not good, not good. But all the same, um, fantastic, fantastic. last twenty minutes. As, as I said, based on that showing, whichever of them goes It's clearly through, out of play, I mean, it's very clearly out of play. <laughs> Basically, you know, but whichever of them go through, you're gonna have some serious problems in the next round, based on the fact that neither of them are greater... Defending. Um, uh, Interestingly as well, what I hadn't really twigged was that Diego Godin was sent on as a sub in the 95th minute. Yeah. So, uh, d- yeah, for a while there, but obviously to close out the match, I can get yeah. that. It's something sub- on the centre-back for a striker. Um, but also just, why was he not starting? I don't fully understand that.
1: I don't know. Oh, I couldn't say. Anyway,
0: uh, that was a fantastic match yes. Atletico Paranaense versus Estudiante de la Plata is going to be kicking off in about 11 minutes time um, I presume that these are replays of the two teams warming up we're currently looking at because if they're still warming up right now maybe it's going to be a bit more than 11 minutes time mm. um, but yeah of course you can carry on listening to the podcast after the theme music I will provide you with the full time score from that match um are there any other Argentines in any of the non-Argentine teams in the rest of the Libertadores team?
1: Um Matias Zaracho and Ignacio Fernández were both involved for Atlético Mineiro uh, in oh, their... Yeah. Also Him. very entertaining mm. to draw against Palmeiras, which just went to prove it is futile to try and beat Palmeiras in the Libertadores. You yes. might as well just not bother.
0: Uh, Atlético went 1-0 up through a penalty from Hook on the stroke of half time, 2-0 up, just two minutes into the second half from an own goal from Murilo, And then Murilo cancelled that out with a goal at the correct end uh, if, uh, about 15 minutes after that. And Danilo scored to make it 2-2 uh, in stoppage time. Yes. And Palmeiras had
1: on the bench. Um, José López, the ex-Lanús baby Pepe Sand.
0: Yeah. Uh, Palmeiras... The last few years in the Libertadores have kind of reminded me of a line in Diego Maradona's autobiography. My personal favourite line in Maradona's autobiography as demonstrated by the fact that I can still remember it about 13 or 14 years after I read said book, which is that to beat the Germans, you've got to kill them. Mm. Uh, to beat Palmeiras, in this competition at least... You pretty much have to kill them. Yeah. You have to kill them. Um, it's um, incredibly... I, yes. I, I realise that they have lost a final in the last couple of years, but, you know, they've written the final two years running. Did they, well, no, was, they, no, they won, they won, won them both. course they? Yeah. Yes, they did. Yeah, what am I talking about? So even this, there, yes. there you go. That just proves my point even further. And speaking of killing, Flamingo absolutely murdered Corinthians.
1: Yeah, I completely In Sao Paulo.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, I saw the scoreline afterwards and thought, hmm.
1: Yeah. I don't think many surprises in that one if you watched Corinthians over the two legs with Boca um, you could sense it's not a particularly great team and they played like a not very good team Um, just looking to get the 0-0 again it all kind of unravelled when Flamengo took the lead in the first half and from there when they had to push forward a little bit uh, it could have got very messy Uh, Flamengo had plenty of chances to, to put a few more on the board but they'll be happy with a 2 0 away win against their arch rivals. I imagine in the Libertadores quarterfinals. Indeed, yeah. Can't see any way back for Corinthians in
0: that leg. But I have been wrong before. Our listeners, yes, um, send us questions each week. Yes, that's because I ask them to. I mean, you know, presumably it's because they have questions as well. But I, I prompt them to do so. I mean, it's
1: a two-way process. Yes,
0: um, they are very, very well behaved at making sure almost all the time that those questions are Argentine football centred. Yes. Um, and a lot of that, of course, is because if you're listening to this podcast and you are specifically looking for an Argentine football podcast, I realise mm-hmm. that. But I'm going to ask a question uh, of sorts. I'm going to throw it out there as a discussion point at the moment and I'm aware that it's not really got anything to do with Argentine football. It does have something to do with the match we've just discussed though. Right. And it is, of all of the players in continental South American competition over the last eight to ten years right I think that the one who I am most baffled by the fact that he's been involved every year because he's never gone to Europe is Georgian de Arrascaeta, who scored Flamengo's first goal the mm-hmm. other night and who I still remember bursting onto the scene in that defensor sporting team that got really far in the Sudamericana
1: 2010 Sudamericana Is it that long ago
0: Thought I thought it was even yeah. more recent. But anyway, he was very young then. Yeah. Um, um. I just I don't understand how he's never had interest from a European club. He's just he's, performed he's yeah. consistently in South America for some of the biggest teams on the continent since leaving Uruguay at a consistently high level in the very biggest matches. Obviously, for mm. all I know, he might be absolutely terrible in the Brazilian league every week. I so can't whenever I see it. him in the yeah. Libertadores or the Sudamericana... He's been, you know, rarely spectacular, but mm-hmm. always one of the best players on the pitch. Yeah. And I don't understand why, say, a middling Spanish-Italian Premier League-French club haven't gone. You know, we could do with that kind of imagination.
1: But then this is something I've been, I was pondering a few months ago with um, the talk about Gabigol, Gabriel, Gabriel Barrosa, moving away now from Flamengo. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are two guys who are in... <laughs> Incidentally,
0: was the scorer of
1: Flamingo's other goal. The and other most one. other goals that Flamingo well, <laughs> yes. Indeed, yeah. um, these are two guys who are in arguably the biggest club in the entire South American continent, yeah. where they grew up and yeah, obviously <laughs> know a lot about what Flamingo are, what they represent. Um, they're both on European wages, as much as I understand Maybe on the low awesome. end of European wages, but European wages nonetheless. No, I, I, I can get. They, why they fight me... for titles every every year. They fight for the Libertadores every year.
0: Yeah.
1: They're adored in Rio, which is must be one of the greatest cities in the world to live and play football in. And to never have to pay for any drinks. And to never have to pay for pay for any drinks. Would you give that up to go to Bologna or?
0: I, I totally, or I totally get, why, I, I get why they'd be happy enough there. I yeah. don't understand why there's never been a whisper of any interest in Arrascaeta from a European club. Because it's not like we've heard, like, oh, you know, Almeria, to pick one of the clubs that you just named, yeah. have come in for him and he said no. And it's not just that we know. No, it, like, no one's ever... Yeah. And, and it's Flamingo,
1: very um, very good at keeping this stuff uh, under wraps. Yeah. I seen just did a quick Google and Inter Internazionale that would be in Italy. Mm-hmm. Well linked with the okay. last um last winter, last European summer. Um and otherwise yeah it, it is interesting it is funny. Um if I was the owner of a football club I would definitely buy Arqueta because I adore him mm. and always have. But at the moment, I'm not. So no, 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 totally. I can't shed light, any light on the matter.
0: One day, when Hannah uh, uh syndicate becomes the owner of, I don't know, Brighton? Yeah. yeah. Maxi Lopez owns Birmingham City. Mm-hmm. So anything is possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we're not quite as rich as Maxi Lopez, and he's a much more enthusiastic businessman than we are. But um, who knows? It could happen. Right yeah. Right in with your thoughts, yeah. anyway. Uh, shall we go on to some actual listeners' questions? Yes. Right. Let's see if we can top. top that one, that brilliant question from Sam. Turns out I've opened quite a few tabs in my phone and have to actually navigate a little bit to find them. Um, here we go. I think we had one a few days ago. Let me just. I think you might, might be right. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Um, it was from Derek Ryan who says, What are your thoughts on this action? Hopefully the AFA does the correct thing. Uh, he has added somebody called English down, who I, I assume he was going for you, but uh, it's not you. Um, and Andres, as well as us. Uh, but yeah, this was the attack on a female referee by a male player who, indeed, the FA have done the right thing. Right? They've punished him in some way. I don't know whether it's as harsh as it should be
1: don't know, to be honest. I'll have a quick look,
0: but keep talking. Uh, by Tirone. Um But yeah, I mean, our thoughts on it are that it's, uh, you know, the, the thoughts that any decent human being would express on it, basically. Yeah. Uh, apologies for, for not um, going into as much detail as you might yeah. have asked. But yeah, I mean, obviously we're not going to say, even if we were thinking it, that it was the correct thing to do. And it definitely wasn't the correct thing to do. No. Um, he has... Uh, been arrested, in fact. So it's not so much the actor doing the correct thing as, for a change, Argentine justice doing the correct thing.
1: Yes, he's already um, gone up before the prosecutor and... Yeah, I assume he's going to be banned for a long... Uh, Banned for life, Oh, yeah? Banned for life and arrested. Excellent. love to hear it. Yeah, um, that's pretty much what had to be done.
0: Yes, exactly. Um... (laughs) Rob Fitzpatrick says, uh, uh, tweeting us with a a video of uh, Julio Cesar Falcioni, Mm -hmm. how did we not mention this, returning to Independiente, didn't we mention it last week? We might have done, Mm -hmm. Uh, in his car, uh, saying it's unusual to see him not parking a bus, Mm -hmm. which um, indeed it is. Yes. But uh, yeah, this is going to be a... Yeah, we definitely talked about this last week. It's going to be a popular appointment among Independiente fans, I suspect. And on to questions that have been asked today. Johnny says, any news on when Mauro Borselli might return for Estudiantes?
1: He hasn't told me. Um,
0: he's left me right in the dark. Uh, I assume he's injured? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm obviously nowhere near as up-to-date with this stuff as you are now. Um So, in short, Johnny, no. We have no news.
1: Uh, apparently he's in the... Um, he was in the matchday squad. He was in the travelling group for... This. First of all, the answers, Yes, um, I don't know if he's made the bench or maybe even the starting lineup. Well, it just
0: occurs to me that I'm going to have an alert on my phone giving me the lineups, and he is not on the starting lineup. In the starting lineup, and he's he is on the bench. Oh, there we go. By the look of it, so yeah, that's him tonight. Uh, Johnny also asks, when will Ricardo Caruso Lombardi get monkey box? Is I thought he was patient zero. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> anything is possible. Yeah, uh, and if anybody in the Argentine football community is going to be patient zero, then it will be Carlos Lombardi. I, I would not put it past Ricardo Caruso Lombardi to be front of the queue. Um, thank you for that, Jolly. That that made me laugh internally <laughs> quite a lot when I when I read it. Uh, Lawrence Hart says, "Does this potential World Cup involve too many?" countries. So I don't yeah. if, ah, right. I assume that what Lawrence is talking about is not this year's World Cup, uh, which involves at least one too many country, and in it involves quarter. Um But the fact that yesterday, I think it was, uh, the was the official launch of the official candidacy for the hosting of the 2030 World Cup mm. in Argentina, Uruguay, Paraguay, and Chile. For some reason. Because, <laughs> of course, Chile is so... Perfectly... Wait, how many? Argentina, connected. Uruguay, Paraguay... Yes. Chile. So this originally Four. started out about ten years or so ago uh, when there was a campaign which I signed up to. I, I, I put my signature on this... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, oh, God. No, it's just completely... You know when a, a very basic word just disappears from your brain? Petition. Petition. An online petition. To, uh, to get FIFA to award the 2030 World Cup to Uruguay or, more sensibly, a combination of countries that would allow the centenary final to be held yes. back in the original final venue, um, the Estadio Centenario, fittingly named yeah. for this instance. Uh, and at the time, that was going to be because everybody, I think even Uruguayans, realised that you can't host a modern World Cup in a tiny little country like Uruguay. Mm. That would be stupid
1: Yeah.
0: How would you ever do that? Just the 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 mere idea is too ridiculous ridiculous to comprehend. And so the sensible thing to do, in as much as anything ever connected with South America has been sensible, um, was to joint hosts between Argentina and Uruguay. Completely sensible. You know, Argentina would have probably the bulk of the matches, but Uruguay would host the final. Um, and yeah, in the last few years, this has expanded to first of all. I can't remember whether it was the president of the Paraguayan FA or the president of Paraguay. Yeah. At one point, this was, I think, during the Macri presidency here, uh, just came out one day in a press release with, by saying that uh, he'd been in talks with the Argentine and, and the Uruguayan governments and that they were going to accept Paraguay's. Um, idea of them joining in the World Cup joint hosting bit
1: I mean, it was so basically because the Paraguayan president was an old mate of Macri's from hmm. their days uh, on football clubs. He was a uh, Libertad president. Yes. Macri, the Boca president. And now, that's what he. it is. I think he's on the
0: blacklist. The United States blacklist yeah. for uh, corruption. Yeah. Uh, but he seems to have yeah. been basically gambling on uh strong arming them in that way because the response from Argentina and Uruguay was that they haven't had any such talks, but that yeah, sure, why not? Why Paraguay not? can join they're in they're a bit. In. And then at some point in the last couple of years, Chile has also been added to this. But yes, it does involve too many countries.
1: Didn't Bolivia try to Probably. weasel in there at some point? Probably. Which I would be completely in favour of. Oh no, and, I'd, I'd um, be absolutely as long as there was an, an all European tournament. group yeah. in La
0: Paz. Mm. Or two, maybe I'd be in favour of giving the whole tournament to Bolivia. Yes. And just making them Play, yes. Just mm-hmm. just just do it.
1: When I read this question first, I thought it meant um, too many countries and too many countries were going to play it, and that the answer is obviously going to be yes because it's be a we are forty-eight team World Cup. Hmm.
0: Um, so well, that as well, yeah. yes. But no, I, I've I'm... Lawrence. If you want to write in and clarify. Um, then please I'm sure you meant what you meant uh, we've, uh, what you, uh, between us explained. we've covered both possible interpretations and obviously the 48 yes. team thing is just a very simple yes
1: just keep it with Argentina, Uruguay there are plenty of stadiums in Argentina and Uruguay yeah, exactly. to do a good world plenty of stadiums in, or, yeah. in Buenos
0: Aires alone to be great at Buenos Aires anyway but um, yes. you know I can understand why there would have to be venues in other cities and um, there are plenty as well yes Yeah. The, the, the only thing that I'm slightly worried about as well is, is just yeah. where these where these countries are, because on an emotional level, as I just said, I signed this petition 10 or 12 years ago to, to try to have the final stage. I'm, I'm fully aware that, you know, FIFA aren't going to look at this petition and go, oh, well, if all these people have signed it, then we'll obviously do it. You yeah. know, it's, it's a very silly thing, but, you know, I'm <laughs> fully in support of the idea and I hope it happens. But hosting a modern World Cup costs a hell of a lot of money. Yes. And it's not actually money that any of the countries involved have got. Uh, right. And it will result in, I'm going to say, a lot of white elephant stadia. i would guess they'd use some of the existing white elephants, like in Santiago del Estero. And, um, yeah, Santa I can't Rasha, imagine they'd build any the new stadiums. It would be remodeling. Ins- they would insist on, on major renovations of some of the Argentine ones, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but also infrastructure mm. and stuff. And again, if it's only infrastructure in the immediate vicinity of the stadium... A lot of the time for other host countries, it hasn't ended up benefiting no. in the longer term. Um, so, uh, that that's a whole other sustainability issue as well, which uh, isn't really in the remit of a football podcast, but maybe should be. Well, I've had a no. bit more time to think about it and write my thoughts down.
1: It's been a bit of a poison chalice, to be honest, uh, getting a World Cup in recent years. Yes. Brazil, South Africa, when went... Mm. Not even talking about Russia and, uh, <laughs> well, no, I mean, ever and the since, latest ones.
0: Ever since, uh, from what I've heard, some of the stadiums used in Japan and South Korea have been... Yeah. South Korea's got a couple of just massive stadiums that never get used anymore. Um, the stadiums will be used here, at least. Exactly, yeah. That's, that's um, You're not going to go and thing.
1: stick a stadium, I don't know, in the middle of the uh, Formosa jungle like they did in in Brazil, I imagine.
0: No. and yeah. um, In fact, I was looking just last night for due to a, a conversation I was, uh, I'm taking part with in, in on a, a forum that I post on, um, I was looking at the capacity of the polo ground here. Yeah. Which is the only polo ground... First, first of all, it's the only polo ground that's within an actual city mm-hmm. in the world at the moment. Not ever, but mm-hmm. right now, today, in the 21st century. Um, and second, it is... By a ridiculously long distance, the largest polo stadium in the world. Because pretty much every other polo stadium is just a polo field with like a temporary stand on one right. side, whereas this one's. And know, you'll know because you've been past it many times. It's a the stadium. Other day, I
1: went there the other day. Actually, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, in the middle of winter. On the weekends, they've started holding like a uh, a food festival type um, thing with yeah. food trucks and stuff, mm. which is quite funny for people like me, with really weird sense of humour, uh, because they call it a polo gastronomico. Yes. Um, oh, very yeah, good. Yeah, right. I, have, have I appreciate that pun. I don't I know if it's intentional wrong. or not, but hmm. it's a polo gastronomico in the Campo de Polo. Yeah. Um, and they also had they had an inflatable train, which Noel went on about 50 times in a row before we finally managed to drag him away. Oh, nice.
0: Yeah. Uh, but yeah, anyway, so I... Looked up the capacity, which seems to be about twenty thousand, although there are some places uh-huh. that quota is fifteen and some places that quota is thirty. But if we settle on twenty, that makes it, from what I could gather, the roughly the seventh largest stadium in the city of Buenos Aires alone. Yeah. Uh, with the other six being obviously all football stadiums. Yes. Uh, let's do this, right? River, Boca, San Lorenzo, Huracán. Um, I can't remember who were fifth, but the team in sixth really surprised me. Deportivo Español. They've got a big old stadium, man. Yeah, 27,000. Yeah. And they play in the third division or
1: something. They were up in the second for a while, but I think they're back down to the third, yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, anyway, basically, Greater Buenos Aires has plenty of stadiums. Yes. Argentina as a whole has plenty of stadiums. There is no need to involve Paraguay, uh, or especially Chile no offense <laughs> no offense any Chile, Chilean listeners I have been living in Argentina too long and we don't want it. <laughs> but it has been officially announced so you know mm. fingers crossed it oh, happens yeah. and also fingers crossed that if it actually does happen then they do hold the final in Montevideo because yeah. that's the whole thing right like if, if it happens and then they go you know what we're going to have the final in the one who or in Santiago <laughs> this is great then just, no, that's not the reason that we're doing it. It's not the single moral justification that you've got for for doing this, so don't. Uh, And finally, Club Atletico Independiente in English asks us, Argentina always has weird relegation rules. Will there be teams relegated this year?
1: I really want to make a snide comment about this account asking this question, (laughs) but I'm going to keep a respectful silence, uh, on that matter at least. Can you answer the question, though, uh right now there are relegations. There's only going to be two, aren't there? There are two up, two down. Mm-hmm.
0: Which um, is infuriating because it means we're not going to have a smaller division next year. But no. it also means we're not going to have a larger division next year. It sh- unless...
1: It could be worse because there has been talk about possibly, um...
0: Cancelling altogether cancelling or relegations. just going one down and two up? Cancelling relegations, I think. Right. Um... Because one down and two up would leave one team without a match each weekend, wouldn't it? So,
1: yes. Yeah, uh,
0: Yeah, I can't imagine they go to 29.
1: But why'd they have to go to 30? For some reason, they want that 30 team um, top flight. I don't know. Um, it's been trying. The months. cynic in me would say,
0: depends who goes down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Unfortunately, Barracas Central are pretty clear of danger yeah. at the moment. so. I think, aren't they?
1: Yeah, they're not particularly close. Obviously, they've only got the one, the one year of Premier points, so mm. it can change drastically if they have a bad run. But they shouldn't be in a whole lot of trouble. Um, I just hope they don't go through this and keep relegation, because otherwise, this would be what the
0: the third year in a row there hasn't been relegation. Yes. And I it'll be an absolutely it suspended fucking for the pandemic. Yeah. Um, no, I think they have to, realistically. Plus, they've spent the last three years or two years saying that they were going to go back to relegation this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what
1: would be the justification? Just because exactly, they
0: got 13th? Yeah. There, there wasn't really any justification for suspending it in the first place. Mm-hmm. But I mean, pandemic, was,
1: fine. Yeah, no, you I, can I, sort of understand it.
0: No, I can't, though. Because no, it, no, you can't, but no, you can one, make an argument for it. No other leagues anywhere else suspended relegation. Because of the pandemic. No one else went, oh, but it wouldn't be fair yeah. on the teams who were doing terribly. Well, what does that mean? I mean, it's not fair on anybody, but <laughs> it's happening. It's the, it's the world. It's going on around us at the moment. Um, but then I didn't really get why. If, if you accept the reason, OK, we can't really get anybody at the end of 2020. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. Fine. I don't like it, but I will shut yeah. up and listen to it. Why can't you relegate anybody under 2021? That was ridiculous.
1: Yes, you know that right. was plain ridiculous.
0: Why is it 2022 and we've now yeah. had the same bunch of teams yeah. still with more teams joining them when being promoted because apparently that's not unfair. No, on you know someone if, if we're doing that. Um, so yeah, in the meantime, you can <laughs> Patrillo a chance to just completely stagnate, for example. Um, I mean, that's what we anyway. do
1: basically. Well, what I can see.
0: Um, those are all the questions. Thank you very much for them everybody. Shall we go on to Mystic Cell? Let's. Let's do it. Here we go. We begin the weekend with Himnasia versus Godoy Cruz. It's going to be a win for Himnasia. Sarmiento versus Lanús is going to be a Sarmiento win, I think. Um, and, oh, there are three matches on, on uh, Friday. Ooh. And the other one also involves another team from the Sur, Banfield. Host Patronato, and I think it's, it's going to be a draw. I feel like I don't really know what's going on with Banfield these days, because it feels like years since we last mentioned them.
1: They seem to play really well, and then really badly, though. So, yeah, pretty much like every other team in the league. 14th, three wins,
0: five yeah. draws, three defeats. Very
1: mad. And one of those games, one of those game uh, wins was a 3 0 win over uh, uh, Boca. Yes, it was. Which yeah. apparently is easy. Mm. If Banca could do it. Oh, yeah, so th- this is a match
0: between the two teams
1: who beat Boca <laughs> 3 0. Relatively recently. <laughs> but Banfield didn't the Bombonera, so maybe that's worth it. Uh, Indeed,
0: yes. They rules, have lost. Imaginary
1: of, scale. They have lost to Juliano Gallardo. Simpson. This is true. So, uh, oh, I didn't mention him as a sort of but he is, of course,
0: at Sao Paulo. He is. Um, on Saturday, Arsenal host Atlético Tucumán, and I think it's going to be a win for Atlético Tucumán. Barracas Central versus Racing is going to be a win for Racing. but it should should be quite entertaining that one Tacheres versus Argentinos is an Argentinos win Tacheres have got to throw all of their eggs into the Papa Libertadores basket at the moment and for the same reason I'm going for Union to get a home win over Veles those two matches are played at exactly the same time because of course both clubs are going to want exactly the same amount of recovery time ahead of their second leg Mm -hmm. Uh, Boca host Platense and I think that Boca will win that one on Sunday, Aldo Civi versus Huracán is going to be a win for Huracán. San Lorenzo versus Estudiantes is going to be a win for San Lorenzo. Estudiantes are 0-0 away to Atletico Paranaense so after 15 minutes. Independiente versus River is going to be a win for Independiente. Newells versus Colón is going to be a win for... Oh, I'm drawing this out so I can see who's currently ahead on the table for Newells. Newwils are down in 10th but call on the like, 20th. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on Monday, Central Córdoba versus Defensa y Justicia is a win for Central Cordoba. Cool.
1: Yeah. Because back-to-back wins for Central Córdoba. Why not?
0: Brave. And Tigre versus Rosario Central. It's a Tigre victory. Because the wheels are falling off. They can lose this. Any of those that you're particularly looking forward to down apart from the Racing game, of course? I don't think I've even. That particularly excited about the Racing game. Um, as long as
1: Racing don't throw away a two or three goal lead, that'd be nice.
0: Stranger things have happened. Yes. Um, Independiente River should be entertaining potentially. Yeah. Bit of a test of whether River can show a bit of character for a change this year, um, and also whether Independiente can have fans in the stadium. Well, that, yes, and also uh, put together back to back wins for the first time. in... I mean, in fairness, actually, the last time before this weekend that they won was their second win in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, they beat Estudiantes now, they to go to man, and since then they have recorded five losses and a draw, and then they won against Conan again last weekend. So, who knows? Anyway, Ooh, what did my hand just hit then? There was a glass on the shelf behind me. Oh, careful. Uh, I'm fine, don't worry. Thank you for your concern. Um, for now, thank you very much indeed for listening to us for another week. And goodbye from English Dan. Goodbye. And me. Thank you. And goodbye. Atletico Paranaense versus Estudiantes was a very one-sided match indeed. Atletico completely dominated, um... But it ended nil-nil. Atletico thought that they'd scored the only goal of the game about 10 minutes before the end, I think. Uh, But it was ruled out for what turned out to be a very clearly correct offside. Uh, And for all of their domination, they actually managed fewer shots on target than Estudiantes. I think the final numbers were something like 23 shots, but only three on target, whereas Estudiantes managed about 10 or 11 and had uh, four on target or something like that. So... All to play for in La Plata next week.